football season and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. We're just a few hours away from the first kickoff of the season, and so we have a ton to talk about today from rankings to sit start, listener mailbag, and making our predictions for this week's top performers. Here to chat with me about all this today is Raymond Summerlin of rotoworld.com. Raymond was a top three expert in our expert accuracy competition last year, so I'm really looking forward to getting some strong insight into this week. And I want to remind you all before we begin that we're giving away a My Playbook Ultimate Package. My Playbook gives you detailed league analysis at your fingertips and puts a team of expert advisors in your back pocket. The Ultimate Package comes with all kinds of goodies from Trade Analyzer to DFS Optimizer and so forth. If you want to enter the competition, all you have to do, rate and review us on iTunes, give us a subscribe, and then send me, copy-paste that, send me an email, bobby at fantasypros.com. All right, let's jump on to some fantasy football now. Good morning, Raymond. Hey, how's it going? I, you know, I like the top three designation. Obviously, I, uh, obviously I'm happy about that, but it does seem like I have nowhere to go but down at this point. It doesn't <laughs> like the, the likelihood of me, the likelihood of me getting, you know, one or two next year, even if I have a good year is very slim and it's, it's always, it'll be like the Panthers. This will be my Super Bowl hangover. You know, there's got to be some luck on your side. There definitely has to be because there's, there's so many unpredictable injuries and and everything like that. But we've seen some of the top guys stick around for a while, you know, always end up in the top 15 or top 25 or what have you. And uh, you've put together some strong performances. So I would not be the least bit shocked to see you hang in there in the top 10 again. I would be. But at least I have your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if you guys are listening today, you guys should have my confidence, too, because he Raymond does a great job, not just with his rankings, but with everything. And that's why we're thrilled to have him on as a guest again. He was the first guest that we ever had on the show. And that was for a good reason. Uh, he's got some great insight. So, Raymond, let's jump right into it. We'll start with rankings for this week. And I want to compare your rankings to ECR. For those of you listening, that's expert consensus rankings. So we've got over 140 experts and they've all given us their rankings rankings and we just combine them together to see what the experts think as a group so Raymond let's start with quarterback and we're not going to go with any of the guys that are clearly in the top five or six because everyone's starting those so let's talk about one guy that you have lower than the ECR that's ranked seven or higher oh that's ranked seven or higher I you know I'm sorry seven or lower oh seven or lower (laughs) um I I think that when you when you look at the rankings, it's tough in week one to really find the guys that you're going to fade. I do think that Ben Roethlisberger at QB six is a is a little bit high. I, we don't know what's going to happen in that offense with without Martavis Bryant, without Le'Veon Bell. And so I'm a little worried about that. But if I move down the rankings, I think that 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 quarterback two tier is kind of feel, filled with some guys that you know maybe are a little higher than they should be. Philip Rivers in his last three games against Kansas City hasn't thrown a touchdown he's thrown four interceptions averaged 244 yards a game so he's at 15 people have taken that into account but he's a guy that maybe you want to shy away from and then Robert Griffin III at 19 I am completely out on the whole Cleveland offense this week Philadelphia's defense is good I I don't know why people don't want to respect what it is they have perhaps the best safety duo in the league with McLeod and Jenkins they have solid corners with Carroll and McKelvin maybe they're not big names but they're people Carroll was a pretty good player last year before breaking his ankle McKelvin has had ups and downs if he can stay on the field he'll be fine but their front four should get 
pressure, tons and tons of pressure. And we saw Robert Griffin III get pressured in the third preseason game by uh, by Tampa Bay. We saw him uh, go down five times in that game. The center spot on that offensive line is dreadful. The right tackle spot is dreadful. And I mean, he's only 19, so he's not really a factor in standard leagues. But if you're in two quarterback leagues, there are people that are, you know, be wanting to start him. And I, I'm looking at people like Brock Osweiler. I'd much rather start Andy Dalton. I'd much rather yeah. start Joe Flacco. I'd much rather start Carson Wentz. I'd much rather start. And those guys are all ranked. Wow. Below, I know. And those guys are all ranked below him. And I, I'm just not interested at all in Robert Griffin III. I bet he turns the ball over at least twice. I've got, I've got Philadelphia's defense as my streaming option this week. And, uh, I feel really confident about it for all the reasons you mentioned. Look, Griffin, if he does get back into the groove, it's going to take a while for him to mold with this offense. It's just going to. And then I'll have Josh Gordon, their best piece. Who is it? Gary Barnage, Corey Coleman. I mean, I'm not confident in them putting up points, and I am confident in them turning the ball over. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm also glad that you mentioned Phillip Rivers because I have him all the way down at number 22 on my list. It's just not going to happen for him this week. Yeah, and I do, I can't argue against that. I think that he's Philip Rivers. And so I have to have him in that mid right about where he is in the ECR. I just kind of mention him because I think he's a big name that maybe people, people will rank a little too highly, but there are certainly reasons for concern with Philip Rivers this year, this week. And I'm a guy, I like him for year long. I, I thought he's a top eight quarterback in, in season long. Yeah. So it's just a one week thing where this is a matchup that he has struggled in. And, uh, and it's something that I don't really want to invest in this week if I don't have to. Yeah, I'm definitely not starting. I would I would drop one of my handcuff, uh, one of my one of my backup running backs, and pick up a Dak Prescott to start over him. I mean, I know that's not an ideal situation to get a rookie in his first game, um, but you know he's going against the Giants at home, and I trust him a lot more than Rivers this week. Yeah, I I don't know if a lot more. I'm yeah, yeah, a lot more is kind of pushing it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm fine with I'm if you want to take the upside play with him uh, over Rivers, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Now, how do you who do you have higher than expert consensus rankings at QB position? I think Kirk Cousins is being undervalued. I thought he was undervalued in season long, so it's not really that surprising. A lot of these guys are guys that I thought were undervalued in season long, but Pittsburgh's defense is not anything better than than mediocre. They're right about average. Kirk Cousins at the end of last year, the last five games of last year was the QB three. I don't think expecting him to do that again is reasonable, but his weapons are healthy. And as long as that stays the case, he's going to be a back end quarterback one, especially in good matchups at home. And I think that this is a reasonable matchup at home on Monday night. So I, I think Kirk Cousins is an easy top 10 quarterback. I'd rather play him than Blake Bortles. I'd rather play him than Matt Stafford, even though Stafford's in a great spot. And I might rather play him than Carson Palmer against New England. So I think that he's in a he's he's being a little bit undervalued for sure. There's two guys that I'm high on this week, and I want to know why I'm wrong here, because I'm sure you have an opinion. Obviously, you would have mentioned them if you would have agreed. But uh, James Winston at Atlanta, we know Matt Ryan's a great quarterback at Atlanta, so they're going to put up a lot of points and Tampa's going to have to be playing catch up. He's going to throw a lot of passes in that game. And then Joe Flacco. That Buffalo Bills defense is is not what it was supposed to be. And their running back situation in Baltimore is who knows what it's going to be. So I think Flacco is going to throw the ball quite a bit. And I haven't moved up all the way from uh, 24 to 15 this week. 
I don't, I don't, the Flacco thing, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that offense will be more pass heavy than people think. And Flacco will be more of a reliable quarterback too, week to week, which is where you have them. I do think the Buffalo defense, you know, with Gilmore back there, they have their secondary can be good if they can get any pressure. We'll see what happens. I agree that their defense is, is not what we thought it was going to be under Ryan, but I do want to see that with Winston. I, I think that the question is, is he actually going to throw a lot? Because he didn't last year. He, even in the games that he had, you know, quarterback one weeks, which only happened a third of the time last week, last season, even though he finished as the quarterback 13, he, a wow. lot of those were because of rushing touchdowns, which he had six rushing touchdowns last year. That is not who he is as a player. That is not something that is going to keep happening. I, I think, I mean, obviously crazy things happen. Andy Dalton scores three rushing touchdowns every year. So we'll see, we'll see, but that's, he was not that kind of player. He was not a rushing quarterback. And so mm -hmm. I am, I'm a little hesitant on Winston's upside. I do like that. They use tempo in the preseason. I like that a lot. That could really help his weekly upside, get him into more of that 50% QB one games, which makes him a much more interesting streaming option. It is a good spot at Atlanta. You get to play indoor. Um, that game, I don't know how high scoring it's going to be, but it's at least going to be a mid-scoring game. And the Falcons have some questions in the secondary outside of Trufant. It looks like their nickel corner is going to be CJ Goodwin, who is a former wide receiver. So uh, with Jalen Collins suspended. <laughs> so it's... Um, I can see the upside to Winston there. He's at 14 in the ECR. I'm not going to go much higher than that on him, but I understand the upside for sure. Yeah. You know, with Winston, I definitely agree the the rushing touchdowns are going to regress, but I feel like the touchdown rate, the passing touchdown rate is going to go up. I mean, he had over 4,000 passing yards last year, and now he has Mike Evans back in the offense. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to get himself a couple touchdowns here and, uh, you know, he's not a bad start considering other options as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, there are other guys I I'd like more like cousins uh, obviously talk about, I'd like more, but, uh, I, yeah, I have no problem. I think that's, I think 14 is right about where I have in my ranks. If I remember correctly. All right, let's jump over to your running back rankings. Now we're not going to talk about anyone in the top 15. So who's a running back that you have lower than most of the experts. I think that I have Matt Forte quite a bit lower than everybody else. He's the running back 17 in ECR, and I have him around 25. I know that the Bengals were bad against running backs out of the backfield. I think they gave up the fourth or fifth most catches last year. So they were bad in that respect, and they'll be without Perfect this week and the next the first three weeks as he's suspended. So Forte can make some hay in that respect. I still need need it proven to me that this is not a timeshare or at least something resembling a timeshare with Bilal Powell. Forte's upside certainly went up with Kyrie Robinson on injured reserve. Maybe he gets the goal line and short yardage work or the majority of it, which I didn't think that was going to happen if Robinson is healthy. But I still think that he is a running back three as a member of a of a pretty even timeshare. And so I'm not I'm not interested in starting him as a running back two and even a it's not a great matchup, but a, but at least an okay matchup at home. I think it is a timeshare. I have him uh, even lower than you have him. And uh, well, what do you think the over under is on how many carries he gets this week? I would put it at I'd put it at 13. And I think that would be around the push area. So 13 and a half and, and maybe maybe force you to make a decision. And one player that I'm I'm low on this week is Carlos Hyde, just because 
it's one of these situations where they're saying he's going to play, but a lot of times with concussions, I mean, he only had one more test to pass to get off the concussion protocol, and it didn't happen. Uh, now, he's, he's supposed to come off for week one, but this could be one of those situations where you start the guy, and then it comes out that for whatever reason, he's not playing, and Chandron is. Uh, so I've moved Carlos Hyde down my list. Do you think that Carlos Hyde is definitely playing? Yeah, he was actually, <laughs> this is unfortunate, I think about 30 minutes before we started recording, it came out that he was cleared for football activity. <laughs> <laughs> well, good information. I'm glad I know now. I'm, I'm changing my rankings as we're talking. I'm sliding him up right now because that Rams defense misses a lot of tackles. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been good against the run in the preseason. I think that that front seven even though Ogletree seems like a seems like an upgrade, he's certainly more athletic than James Laronitis. You can't you can't take away how important it is to have the quarterback on the defense there. And we'll see we'll see what Laronitis does for the Saints. Obviously, their talent deficiencies are, might be too much to overcome. But <laughs> Ogletree is is a much better athlete. He's a much better player. But it'll be interesting to see how they do. And then their their other linebacking spots. They have Mark Barron, but who knows who's going to start at the strong side now that yeah. Ayers is gone. So I think that they're. I think that the Rams' defense is certainly more vulnerable than people might imagine. You know, and they've got all those great pass rushers on their defensive line, but those guys can't defend the run whatsoever. We've seen it every single year while those guys have been there, and it's not going to change this season. I, I think that San Francisco can run all over them, uh, which is why I had Sean Drum pretty high. I had him at number 28, um, but obviously I'm going to move him down now that the news is out. Yeah, and I mean, he... Week one will answer a lot of questions. Well, maybe not, because maybe the Rams can't put up enough points to put San Francisco in passing situations. But at some point, we're going to have to figure out, is Carlos Hyde going to be a guy that they trust in receiving situations? It seems like he was in the preseason, but he's never been that player, not even in college. And Sean Drone showed last year that he can be a very good passing down back. So what are they going to do if they get in, if they get behind in the second half? Is Hyde still going to be involved in the offense? Those are questions that we still don't really know the answer to. And so that'll be something interesting to watch. Unfortunately, this game just might finish 10-7 and we, we won't ever get to know. But, <laughs> but it's, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. All right. And Raymond, who's a running back that you're really high on this week? I am... I, I, this seems like cheating because he is the running back 16 in ECR, but I think Spencer Ware is very underrated. I think he is clearly a running back one this week. Jamal Charles is not going to play. He lit up the Chargers last year to the tune of 148 yards and two touchdowns in just 19 carries in two games last year. He's looked great in the preseason. He's added a passing element to his game. He only caught six passes last year. He had eight alone in the preseason on limited snaps. I'm not that worried about Charkandrick West taking away opportunities, especially if Ware is staying on the field in passing situations and in is West even going to play? I think he's going to play. It's seen everything I read suggests that he has an elbow injury, but it suggests that he's going to play, but you're right. There's a chance he doesn't even play. And if that's the case, they have what Nile Davis and Darren Reeves behind him, which Nile Davis, if you give him the ball, he's going to fumble. So that's not something that you want to do. I would think Kansas city is going to be up big in that game and they're not going to want to put West in there and, and re-aggravate his injury. Um, I think Ware's going to get, 20 22 carries in this game because they're going to be playing up so much 
I agree. I think that he's has massive upside. He, he could easily, I think there's enough concern that I'm not going to rank him here, but he could easily finish as the top overall running back. That would not be surprising in any way. And in the three games, he got 10, he had 10 touches last year. He had at least 75 yards and at least one touchdown. Like, and he's definitely getting 10 touches this week. So I am, against not a great defense. I'm 100% on where I think he's an easy running back one, even with the question marks that we still have about, about his playing time. I've got him at number 10 now, but I've been tempted to move him up. I, I keep looking back at it and wanting to change it. Another guy that I have in my top 10 that a lot of people don't is Ryan Matthews. It's just what we talked about. That Cleveland game, I think, is going to be a blowout. Uh, it's minus four, but... You know, I think the Eagles are going to do a lot better than that. And Matthew's going to get the ball a ton with Wentz at quarterback. While he's healthy, I'm riding Ryan Matthews all the time. That Cleveland front seven is the worst in football. It is terrible. It is awful. That defense is a train wreck. And I am happy to start Ryan Matthews anywhere that I have him. I have him 13th. I'm struggling between he, Ingram, and Lacey and Freeman. So that kind of that group, I don't know what to do with all of those guys. I have him at the bottom of it now. I could see moving him up. He is a great, an absolutely great play this week. And another guy that's really undervalued, and he's in a tough matchup, so I understand why, but LeGarrette Blunt is the running back 35 in, yeah, that's nuts, in isn't it? ECR. And I don't understand that at all. He is the starting running back for the Patriots with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. They're going to run the ball and he's definitely getting the goal line looks if they have any. I know it's a tough matchup, but he is outstanding when healthy in that running game, that power running game. He fits that so perfectly. I, I think he is a running back too this week. I think he's absolutely in the top 20. And that's a that's a really confusing ranking for me. What's going to happen in this Tennessee backfield? I'm looking at it. DeMarco Murray's, you know, he's been okay in the preseason, but Derrick Henry's, he's earned himself some playing time, right? I mean, how high do you have Matthew? um, How high do you have Murray ranked considering this? Well, I'm not a Murray guy. So I think that I think that that's really important. But the third preseason game showed much to my chagrin, by the way, that DeMarco Murray, I think, is the guy at this point. We'll see what happens they can't keep, you're right, they can't keep Derrick Henry off the field. He has been an amazing talent, showed amazing talent in the preseason. Uh, he's made me look foolish because I wasn't sure how his game was translated, would translate, and it's been great. He's made, you know, done some of the things in the backfield that I wasn't sure he could do, making those subtle moves that allow you to escape initial pressure and find the hole, which I wasn't sure how well he was going to do in that regard, shown great vision. And I mean, at the end of runs, he just finishes them so powerfully, always falls forward. Derrick Henry's a better running back than DeMarco Murray at this point in their careers yeah. and maybe better running back than DeMarco Murray ever was. So I, I think it's going to change. Unfortunately, in the third preseason game, DeMarco Murray ran with the first team offense in the first three series. And I don't even think seeded a snap to Henry. I think he was in on every single snap. So I think Murray's the guy I have him one spot ahead of Forte at 22. I'm not happy about that. The one place you can attack Minnesota's defense is in the running game. So we'll see what happens, but I think that this is a situation that will evolve as we go on and become more and more of a timeshare. Now I want to ask you a question, kind of off on a little bit of a tangent because I'm thinking about trade value here. Obviously, there's only a few people who are going to do their drafts right after listening to this this show. But if Derrick Henry, uh, if you were drafting today, where would you take Derrick Henry? I and mean, how far has his trade value moved up? You know, it's tricky. I 
I'm thinking about, I think I have him in the forties among running backs, but I think that's where I've always had him. I, yeah. I, I don't trust this Titans running game. I know they look great in the preseason. They were, they were doing more quote unquote stuff than other teams do in the running game. They were using a lot of misdirection. They were using um, a lot of quarterback boots and screens and things like that, that really helped spread out the defense and open up holes. And they're going to keep doing that. It's called exotic smash mouth for a reason, but teams will actually start to game plan for it. And so that's why really this Minnesota game for a myriad of reasons, obviously on the Minnesota side, but on the Tennessee offense too, I am so fascinated in this game because I think that it's going to tell us a lot about this Tennessee offense, whether or not they're for real. Can Tajay Sharp still do anything whenever the, when the cornerbacks are actually pressing him on the line, can he still get open? Is he the number one receiver or is it Rashard Matthews? Can this running game, because this offensive line looks pretty good on paper. Can this running game continue to be what they were in the preseason or when teams start to game plan for what they're doing for the window dressing that they're putting on, on the running game? Will, will it start to fall apart a little bit? I'm really fascinated in this game. And I think that, but until I know, until I'm sure that the Titans offense is going to be what we saw in the preseason, I have a hard time ranking Henry any better than the the late thirties in standard leagues. Yeah, I, I'm right with you. Um, he's a piece that I would like to pick up, but you know, it's, it's a, a waste of a roster spot at this point. And uh, maybe someone will go lower on him. At some point in the season, they'll sell him real low, and uh, and I can snatch him up. That's that's a piece that I would like to have. Let's jump over to wide receivers. We're going to stay out of the top twenty-five here. Who's a player that you're low on out of the top twenty-five? I I'm really low on Stephon Diggs, which again, this is this is a this is a prevailing theme. So I was low on him in, in my season long too. <laughs> I I think people can't get out of their mind the first four games of Stephon Diggs last year. But if you go back and look at what he did after that. It was very inconsistent. He scored two touchdowns, both in the same game. He had just low target totals pretty much across the board. And now we expect him to to post better numbers in an offense that might even be more run heavy without Teddy Bridgewater, even when Sam Bradford gets back into the fold. But especially this week with Sean Hill, I just don't think it's happening even at wide receiver 40. I'm not sold on that. I don't think the Titans defense is the train wreck that many believe it to be. They can get pressure and they did get a lot of pressure last year before Brian Arakpo went down and that helped them actually put up really good numbers against the pass last season. You go back and look at their first eight games. They were really good against the pass a lot of because they were, mostly because they were getting pressure. So I am, I'm not sold on digs this week at wide receiver 40. I would much rather go with Sterling Shepard or especially Vincent Jackson, Marcus Wheaton, those kind of guys. I'd rather have them than Stephon Diggs. You know, I'm looking right now and I don't, I don't see anyone right outside the top 25, you know, in that 25 to 40 range that I especially hate. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, I'm not starting him in my league. He's 37 right now, so he he's right on the fringe. But I'm not starting him because they're saying he's going to play half the game. You know, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. And um, who knows what's going to happen? And he's going against Denver's defense, so uh, that that's a tall task in itself. So I'm benching Kelvin Benjamin. Who's somebody that you're really high on this week, Raymond? And again, continuing the theme, a guy I was high on in season long and going in the drafts, and that's Emmanuel Sanders. I. I think that, first of all, we have to remember that the Carolina Panthers are going to start two rookie corners. I think that that's really important to remember. Now, obviously, they hide their corners. They use their front seven, this uh, 
spectacular range of Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley helps immensely in that they run zone concepts and they try to get pressure, but that front four is not what it has been in the past. And unless Coney Ely is able to really take a step forward, I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to get the pressure they're used to. And frankly, I liked what Trevor Simeon showed. I liked that he was willing to push the ball down the field. I liked that he was willing to give Sanders and Demarius Thomas chances to make plays. And I think he's going to continue to do that as long as he's the starter. And so I think Sanders is at at around the same level he was last year, which is a back-end wide receiver too. And he is ranked you know, well below that in, in basically everybody's ranking. So I am... I am much higher on Emmanuel Sanders in both redraft season long and this week. So in this Arizona game, we've got Michael Floyd ranked number 24 among wide receivers, John Brown, number 35 and Larry Fitzgerald, 31. Who's going to end up getting the most targets in this game? It's tricky. Like that's the, that's the question for Arizona every week, isn't it? I, I believe that it's going to be Michael Floyd. I think that Michael Floyd is going to step up into that number one role this year. Um, it's hard to believe that because all of us Michael Floyd truthers can tell you <laughs> that it's been a bumpy ride with him. But this <laughs> is a this is his contract year. He started to establish himself down the stretch last year. And it wasn't just for three weeks. It was a long stretch. And even he missed a couple games over that stretch and still put up 500 yard games. So he has started to establish himself. We don't know what's going on with John Brown's health. It, he played in the fourth preseason game. So it definitely going to play this week, but it's certainly concerning. I think Floyd is now the number one receiver and I, I'm, I have him ranked highest. I would take Brown over Fitzgerald except maybe in PP. Well, definitely in PPR leagues, but I think Brown is a higher upside play. I take him over Fitzgerald, but Floyd, Floyd is the guy I think moving forward. This is the amazing thing about the Cardinals offense, because I have the complete opposite list. I've got <laughs> Fitzgerald one Brown two and Floyd three. It's just, it's so funny. I mean, it's going to change every week. One week Fitzgerald's going to lead the team in targets, and the next week it's going to be Floyd, and the next week it's going to be Brown. Uh, next week it's going to be David Johnson. Um, it's They have a great offense there, and I don't mind playing any of those guys. It's just uh, it's interesting to think about. Yeah, and like you said, it's week to week. So if I'm thinking about this offense, I'm really thinking about projecting for the next eight weeks and what I think is yeah. going to happen overall. And I think after on the balance of the eight weeks, Floyd will be the number one guy. But you're right, week to week, it's going, it's going to be tricky to project for sure. All right, Raymond, we're going to jump over to the listener mailbag for the first time in a couple weeks, and we've got a couple uh, good ones stored up, uh, but we're going to focus mostly on, on week one matchups. Colin from Florida writes, I have Tom Brady sitting out, and I have Matt Stafford face Indianapolis and Tyrod Taylor at Baltimore on the bench. Which one should I choose to fill in this week? I go with Stafford here. It's... You know, it's a it's a great matchup against Indianapolis, which who could have uh, they're definitely going to be without Vontae Davis. They could also be without their slot corner in Darius Butler. Stafford had a great finish last year, obviously lost Calvin Johnson. So that's that's a problem. But he's shown a connection with Marvin Jones. I think that this is going to be a high scoring game. I think that um, both of these teams that will return a lot of fantasy value. And I want a large piece of the Detroit offense if I can get it. So I, I'm happy to start Matt Stafford this week. This is a really good question. I, uh, I had a hard time deciding, but I have Stafford number seven and Tyrod Taylor number eight. And the reason for that, I mean, I'll have Taylor most weeks higher than Stafford. But this week it's against Indianapolis. 
It's in the dome. And uh, Indianapolis might just have the worst defense in the history of the NFL this season. <laughs> they might break records. All right. So they're, they're going to get healthy. And when they get healthy, <laughs> when Gathers gets back and when Davis gets back and when Butler gets back and when Kendall Lankford gets back and Henry Anderson gets back, they'll be fine. But you're right. They're never going to be able to get pressure. They, they seemingly, Indianapolis can't, like, can't find outside linebackers. They just can't do it. It is... Grigson, you know, does not know how, to, I don't know, to acquire good outside linebackers. So they struggle to get pressure and Robert Mathis, notwithstanding, obviously, but he's been there for a while, but they like, they're not going to get pressure. They're always going to struggle to do it, but that secondary is fine. Uh, the linebackers are uh, the front three can be good. I, I don't know about worst of the history of the NFL. Not great, <laughs> but I mean, the saints still exist, right? Yeah, you're, you're right about that, man. Those two teams, uh, those two teams, if, if they played each other, it would be like 50 to 50. Yeah, it's a, the highest scoring game in NFL history, 98 to 97. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, next question. Ryan from California. For my final flex spot, I've got James White at Arizona, Arian Foster at Seattle, and Michael Thomas face Indianapolis. Who are you taking? This is a really tough question. I think the answer is Foster. The um, the game script for the Dolphins, they're, what, 10-point underdogs? The game strip, script for the Dolphins should lead to a lot of passing, which is, even if we don't know exactly how the early down work is going to split between Foster and Ajahi, Foster is clearly the passing game option. That's a great so he point. Should, he should definitely get those snaps. He's also the short yardage guy, so you have a chance for him to kind of fluke almost into a touchdown, even if they're struggling on offense. And I think he has more touchdown upside than James White. And I'm still not sure how big Michael Thomas's role is in New Orleans. They're playing the Raiders, who have a better defense than I think people are giving them credit for. And so I am, I'm not as sold on Thomas this week. So even though it's a tough matchup, even though it's in Seattle, I'll go with Foster. Yeah. I, uh, I read that question as uh, face Indianapolis, but it is face Oakland for Michael Thomas. That is for me, the answer is James White. Uh, and the reason is Garoppolo is the quarterback. And uh, I think they're going to design a lot of uh, a lot of passes to the running backs out of the backfield so he doesn't have to do as much. I mean, I know New England already does a lot of that, but we saw how efficient James White was in that role last year when Deion Lewis was down. And I think it might be even more so this year when Garoppolo is the quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I, especially in PPR formats, I'm going to be I'm going to be very interested in James White while Deion Lewis is out and especially while Garoppolo is in there. I don't know if the standard upside is there. So I, I guess that would be a question. Is this a, is this a PPR league or not? But even in a PPR league, because I think Foster is going to get those touches too. And I think he has better touchdown upside. So even in a PPR league, I take Foster, but you're exactly right. Uh, you're exactly right about how white, that's a fun sentence. You're exactly right about how white will be used. So I, I think that that's a good point. All right. Paul from North Carolina wants to know if the rain continues to increase in Jacksonville uh, against the Packers and Washington against the Steelers. How is this going to impact some of the borderline players in these games? I don't just being perfectly honest here. I put almost no stock into weather, especially especially this far out. I don't think rain and I've seen some studies about it and they they suggest that this is true. I don't think that rain really affects NFL games at all. The one thing I worry about is wind. 
I think wind yeah. uh, dramatically affects or visibility. So if you get a torrential downpour or snow that affects vi- visibility, I think that 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 does play a role. But unless it's wind or it's a very serious storm of some kind, I don't I really don't put any stock into it. And from what I can see from the forecast, it doesn't look like wind is going to play a role in either of these games. So I'm not worried about it at all. That's a really great answer, Raymond. I don't have anything to add. Uh, next question. Reggie from Arizona says, this is good. I was an idiot and I drafted Austin Seferin Jenkins uh, to be my tight end over a month ago. So when I drop him, should I replace him with Jared Cook, Vance McDonald, Virgil Green or Clive Walford? First of all, don't be too hard on yourself here. Um, <laughs> it's not your fault. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers would rather play a catch and fall guy like Cameron Brait over an actual offensive weapon like Austin Safarian Jenkins. So don't, don't blame yourself here. I, I think I would go with Clive Walford who is, he's been quiet in the preseason. He had the, he had a knee laceration. I think it was in the off season, which limited to the off season program. He was quiet in the preseason, but he is a, Definitely the pass catching back. They tried to trade Michael Rivera, who he split time with last year. He's still on the roster, but they, it's certainly Walford's job. Those two guys combined for 96 targets last year, which I think Walford gets a large chunk of those, which among tight ends, that's a that's a pretty big target load, certainly in the top 10 among tight ends if he gets there. And he gets the Saints this week, which, as we've talked about, is a great spot to be. I think he's a borderline tight end one this week, and I would take him definitely over the other two guys. For me, it's Jared Cook, and the reason why, he is the best athletic profile of all these guys, and he's playing with the best quarterback of all these guys. So um, for me, I've, I've been high in Jared Cook all preseason, and uh, it looks like he's going fit, to fit into that offense nicely. He, he runs the seam route real well. He goes up and gets the ball, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to love having in the red zone. You know, everything looks great about Jared Cook until the ball gets there. <laughs> so we'll see i agree with you though i agree that jared he drops a lot uh, of passes and he fumbles the ball a lot too bad. but i think that i think that jared cook could have his his the awakening trademark uh christine michael i think he could have it this year i agree with you i don't know if i'm trusting it until i see it but i agree that this is the if it's ever going to happen this is the year because it's not like he's had a quarterback before like i think the best quarterback he's played with in his career is an aging matt hasselback and a in the final year of his career carry collins like literally i think that those are the best quarterbacks he's played with so it's terrible this is this is a good opportunity for him for sure you know with jared cook as well i think he has more upside than any of these guys if we're talking about a guy who can finish in the top five or six for tight ends he's the only one with a shot now it's a long shot but i'm taking that chance because you can always go back and pick up a vance mcdonald who's going to be believe it or not featured in that san francisco offense it is ugly on that offense and he's going to get plenty of targets so you can always go back and pick up a nice streamer depending on the matchup but i'm taking the upside with uh, with jared cook let's move on to the next question zach from pennsylvania wants to know for my last bench spot which is most likely to pay dividends, a high-end backup running back like Chris Johnson or Alfred Morris, or an upside receiver like Marquis Lee, Doriel Green-Beckham, or Eli Rogers? I think this is a philosophy question, and my philosophy on it is I want players who do not need an injury to get fantasy value. And those back in, those backup running backs, Alfred Morris, Chris Johnson, they are not going to supplant Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. 
and they're not going to supplant um, David Johnson. It's not going to happen. So I, you need an injury, and I don't want to have to bank on injuries for guys like that. So I'm going to go with the upside guys. I don't know if Marquise Lee is an upside guy. He's another one that needs an injury, I think. Eli Rogers, PPR leagues, maybe. Doriel Green-Beckham, and I hate saying this because Doriel Green-Beckham is the bane of my existence at this point. Um, <laughs> but I think that he he at least has a clearer path to playing time. Beating out Nelson Aguilar is not a Herculean task by any stretch of the imagination. By the way, neither was Harry Douglas either. So let's not put it past Doriel Green-Beckham <laughs> to, just, to just not be good enough to do it. But... I think that he has the of these names. He has the clearest path to upside, and so I would take him over over those guys. Zach, the reason that I picked your question to answer is because I wanted to talk about Marquise Lee. I've added him. I, I've, I've removed some of my backup running backs to add Marquise Lee in several of my leagues because if you remember, he was supposed to be a top ten pick if he hadn't hurt his knee. This guy is extremely talented, and look. Yes, he does have injury concerns. Uh, it's probable to happen this year. I don't say that about many guys. He's probably going to get hurt this year. But if he doesn't, I think he is super talented. They're going to still pass the ball out there in Jacksonville. I understand there's going to be some regression for Bortles, but they're still going to pass the ball. And they're just raving about what they have in Lee. So I'm, I'm taking a chance. It's, like you said, if somebody does get hurt, he's going to shoot way up. It's probably not going to happen. But if it does, he's going to shoot way up. And even if he doesn't, I think he's going to get a fair amount of targets. I think he's still the number three receiver on that team, even ahead of Julius Thomas. So Marquise Lee, I'm picking him up. So he's another he's another of the cook brand that it all looks good until the ball gets there. And <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> I like those guys, if you yeah, can't can tell. See. Uh, which is fine, because I agree with you. I thought Lee was a talented receiver coming out of USC. Obviously, uh, he's called the albino tiger for a reason. Uh, because you never actually get to see him. So I think that I think that, you know, the injury, it's more likely that he gets hurt than Robinson or Hearns. And I, I do. I think Julius Thomas is third on the totem pole. But obviously, we're splitting hairs at this point. I have I have a tough time seeing him get fantasy value without an injury. But I understand like I at this point, you're taking shots. That's what you're doing. So if you believe in a guy like Marquise Lee, Take a shot on him. If you believe in Dorio Green Beckham, first of all, Lord rest your soul. And secondly, take a shot on him. So I think that I think that there are there are opportunities there. And I'd much rather take a shot on those guys than someone who absolutely has to have an injury in front of him for it to hit. All right. Last listener question. Jared from Maryland wants to know, he says, I'm going to be employing Bobby's double streamer defense strategy, which let me interrupt the question real quick. I'll explain it. So you pick up a defense for week one. But you also have your defense for week two, your streaming defense, because there's going to be three or four guys that every week in your league pick up a new streaming defense. Now, the difference between the first and the third or fourth streaming defense is usually two or three projected points that adds up over the season. And so I'm using my very last bench spot to have a second streaming defense. I know that sounds odd, but I really buy into this strategy. And Jared, I've, I guess, does too. And he wants to know, who should I pick up for week one and who should I pick up for week two? Well, to this same vein, I, in my waiver-wired column every Tuesday at Roto World, I have a looking ahead section with the defenses and kickers for, for streamers looking ahead to the next week. And I think that if you're in a very competitive league, it's a good idea. I, I generally don't do it, but I understand. I understand, especially if you're in a league where lots of people are streaming, it is it is something worth doing. I think that if you can get the Eagles this week, the Eagles this week, and the Eagles next week, that's that'd be a 
a great place to start. But I think the Redskins next week at home against Dallas, that's an that'll be an interesting streaming option because I think this defense, the secondary is going to be much better. I mean, with Josh Norman and Breland, who Brashad Breland's a name that that you need to learn because he's a very good corner. They have them on the outside. We'll see what D'Angelo Hall does at safety. Their linebackers are, are questionable, but I think Kerrigan and Preston Smith can get enough pressure. And their defensive line is is at least marginally okay. And if depending on what Dax does going up against a rookie on the road, his first road game, I think that they're going to be in a good spot next week if you're looking to target somebody. Raymond, you nailed this question. You like read my notes. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got Philly in week one. I've got Washington in week two. Can you imagine Dak Prescott playing in a big NFL game on the road in the biggest stadium in the NFL against his rival? And I like Washington's defense this year, too. I think he's going to turn the ball over a lot in that game. Yeah, I could certainly see that happening, too. I, I think that I think they're good, definitely going to be a good bet. And another one for for this week, because the Eagles are kind of high owned. Uh, there, there are out there in about half leagues, but they've been they were drafted in a lot of leagues, too. The Bucks are out there in a lot of leagues and Matt Ryan turns the ball over and he hasn't stopped doing it yet. So I think that they are they're an interesting option, at least if, if you're in the deeper side of leagues. And on the deeper side of leagues, I also want to mention, I, I guess I already did mention the San Francisco 49ers against Case Keenum, the turnover machine himself. It's uh, it's going to happen three or four times. You can book it. Uh, San Francisco is going to force some turnovers. Chip Kelly loves to force turnovers. It doesn't matter who's on his team. Look, I got it. They, they only have one good defensive player, and that's Navarro Bowman. But I think the L.A. Rams are going to turn the ball over quite a bit this this week. You're not buying into the Twin Towers to Forrest Bunk. Buckner and Eric Armstead, which like they're like selling them as the Twin Towers. If you uh, not yet, I don't think they're polished enough, but it's intriguing. I'll say that. Well, I'll just say I'll just say if if the way you're selling your team is via two defensive ends and a three four, uh, that says a little bit about your roster. Let me just I would just leave it at that. That's right. <laughs> All right. Next segment is start set. And what we're going to do here, Raymond, I'm going to give you four names that are on the borderline this week. You tell me which two you're starting and which two you're sitting. We'll start at quarterback. Derek Carr at New Orleans, Phillip Rivers at Kansas City, Jameis Winston at Atlanta, and Blake Bortles face Green Bay. I think we've talked about all these guys already, which is which is fun. Maybe not Bortles. <laughs> yeah. I go with Carr and Bortles. I sit Rivers and Winston. I've talked about why with Rivers. I've kind of talked about why with Winston. I know Winston will be one of your starts probably, but I, I like Bortles more than Winston. Carr is a Derek Carr is a top five guy this week, top six guy for I sure agree. against New Orleans. So he's a no brainer. It comes down to Bortles and Winston. I'm still not sold on Winston's upside, so I will go with Bortles at home against the Packers and uh, expect him to to keep throwing and maybe have a little bit of success against that against that defense. I, it's really close for Winston and Bortles. I've got Winston one spot ahead of Bortles. In fact, I have them both higher than Cam Newton at Denver. I mean, Denver just shredded Newton in the, in the Super Bowl. And uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Kelvin Benjamin out again, but um, I guess he won't be out. Uh, I don't trust Newton this week. I, I know he's the QB one, but I'm fading him this week. I'm not starting him in my legs. I, I don't know if I can go all the way to not start. Because and it obviously it always depends on who you have behind him or who you can pick up. But that's a great point. But that the rushing touchdown upside, especially if you play in four point passing touchdown leagues, 
is is so high. The rushing upside is there. I know he was demolished in the Super Bowl, but that was almost like a that was almost like a snowball rolling downhill. So I don't expect him to play as poorly. And even with Benjamin, I mean, Benjamin's going to play 35, 40 snaps. I like Funches has reportedly had a great off season. Ted Ginn's still there. I love Funches. Olsen's still yeah. there. He has weapons. This Denver defense is not going to be what it was last year. It almost can't be what it was last year. And they lost pieces. So I think that I actually think Cam Newton's still a top seven or eight guy, but I understand. I understand completely. If you want to fade him this week, I just, Week one, I'm going to play Cam Newton. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is the overall quarterback one in fantasy. I'll say this about playing in Denver early in the season. I think early in the season, it is the single toughest place to play. Have you ever tried to play a sport in Denver? It's impossible. You can't breathe. There's no humidity there. It's super dry and you're 5,000 feet up in the air. It's uh, it's going to be a tall task. I mean, I'm not sure if... Uh, I'm not sure if Newton's ever ever played a game in that kind of atmosphere. And if he if he has, it's still going to be a little bit of a surprise because every time you go to Denver and you play a sport, it, it has that effect on the you. The worst experience of my life was hiking in Wolf Creek Pass in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. <laughs> no, it's true. It's just like you get up to the top, you're like, I... I don't even smoke. I have no idea why <laughs> yeah. is this what smokers feel like all the time. That was actually my thought. That was the one thought that I had when I was up there wheezing. It was, uh, it's not, it's not pleasant. I, it's I horrible. agree with you. I can't even ride an elevator in Denver. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. I don't know. Maybe I'm just overreacting because my body does not deal with it well, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for Carolina. I think Denver's going to, going to win that game. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's it is a tough situation. Simeon starting. I think Panthers defense can do some things, but but yeah, it's it'll be interesting to watch. And I think it'll be it's a Thursday night game, too. So low scoring. So I, I understand about Cam. I just I think that he's Cam Newton. He has that up yeah. touchdown upside, that rushing touchdown upside. And that that keeps him in the top 10, regardless of matchup, in my opinion. All right. Here's the four running backs for you. Amir Abdullah at Indianapolis. Who knows what's going to happen there? I, I don't know how many touches he's going to get. Matt Jones faced Pittsburgh. Again, the uh, the injury issues. Who knows how many uh, how many snaps he's going to get? Those are two tricky ones. Christian Michael, another tricky one because he's listed number one on the depth chart. Who knows if he will be number one? And even if he is number one, how many how many carries is Rawls going to get? And then number four. Justin Forsett in that tricky Baltimore backfield situation. So I'm sorry, Raymond, but you have to start two of these guys. Who are you picking? Oy. Um, so Matt Jones shed the non-contact jersey. So as long as he doesn't get hurt again in practice, it looks like he's going to play. It's a pretty good matchup. They have all they have really behind him is Rob Kelly, who showed well, especially in pass protection, which was was surprising. But he's a he's a grinder at best, which, by the way, Matt Jones might be a grinder at best, too. But he's the starting grinder. So there you go. So I think I take Matt Jones. On the other ones, it's I, I'm going with Christine Michael based on upside. You, you mentioned about Abdullah. Uh, what is Abdullah's upside week to week? He might become a running back, too. What is what is his touchdown upside? What is his PPR upside with Theo Riddick there? So I think that I think I'll go with Christine Michael. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to be worried the entire all Sunday until we see what his workload is. But it seems like he's going to get at least 12 carries. And if he does that, he has the explosiveness to to make them count. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys that could end up being the top running back this week, and I'm certainly not going to bank on it. I have him down at number 22 just because I don't know what's going to happen yet, and I, I could change that. If we find out Rawls is going to be limited, maybe I'll shoot him up to uh, to 12 or 13, um, but the upside is there. He's my number one guy, and just like you, Matt Jones, just because he's safe, I, I think he's safe at least. I mean, he's who, who's going to take carries from him, Kelly? He's, he's safe adjacent. I think is yeah. what we could say about it. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a very good way to put it. Um, so those are my two guys. And uh, the other two, I don't even have either of them in my top 35. I, I don't trust Abdullah at all. And I don't trust that that Ravens backfield. I think Dixon's going to take the job over when he comes back. And in this week, I think it's just going to be a carry split to see who's going to be the number the number two when Dixon comes back. Yeah, four set would be clearly four for me in that group. I'm not interested in touching that situation until we get some clarity. All right. And then finally, wide receivers. Will Fuller face Cincinnati, who's been making a lot of noise, getting a lot of hype. Vincent Jackson at Atlanta. Kelvin Benjamin, who we talked about a little bit at Denver. And then Stephon Diggs, who uh, you clearly don't like. But yeah, I don't know. Let's see if you start him here. Yeah, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I think Vincent Jackson is clearly my favorite of this bunch. And I, and I don't think it's really close. The lack of a, a real tight end, you know, with us and Safarian Jacobs, we talked about earlier, means that he and Evans are going to get the bulk of the targets. He has that touchdown upside. He gets down the field. He's going to average 15, 16 yards a catch. It's just what he does. And he, like I mentioned, he's going to get a, a good bit of CJ Goodwin, it looks like. So I... I'm I'm think Vincent Jackson's the easy answer from the other three. It's tough. You know, I think I take Kelvin Benjamin. Will Fuller has looked to be really in sync with Brock Osweiler, but it's hard to trust the targets. You just don't know how many targets he's going to get opposite DeAndre Hopkins, who's obviously the focal point still of that passing game. Kelvin Benjamin has better touchdown upside, I think, and better target upside, I think, than the other two. And so I take him, but I am in no way happy about that decision. I'm not either. I, I've also got Benjamin as my number two. Raymond, we're agreeing on everything. This isn't really that much fun. <laughs> yeah, it it means we're both probably wrong. That's, <laughs> that's probably what it means. We'll, we'll both look back with disgust on this episode in three weeks. I'm just going back to what we started with. Top three accuracy expert. You're the man, Raymond. So if I'm agreeing with you, I, I'm all over it. I, to I already told you it's all going to come crumbling down. <laughs> uh, Will Fuller's also my number four there. I think that's what you said is he's your number four. But the reason why, Braxton Miller's been really good. I think he's going to cut into Will Fuller's snaps. And uh, I, I just don't really see the upside there with Fuller. I mean, we know Hopkins is clearly the number one. He's probably going to get like 12 or 13 targets himself. So what does that leave for Fuller? I, I'm not really into Fuller this week. And uh, the reason I included him in this question is because there's so much hype surrounding him, but I'm just not feeling it. I understand the hype because he has looked great. Absolutely great in the preseason. He still can't catch the ball with his hands. He's still a body catcher, but who cares if you're past the DB, he tracks the ball incredibly well over the shoulder and he's figured out a way to catch it against his body over the shoulder. So if he can keep doing that, you know, more power to him. And, but you're right. The targets are the concern. That's always going to be the concern with him. It's always going to be the concern with anybody not named Deandre Hopkins on the Houston in the Houston passing game. And so I, I, I'm interested to see how many targets he gets. I would have him fourth of that group. I think he and Diggs are maybe closer for me than for you, but I, I, 
think be mostly because of big play upside, but I, I do think that he's fourth in that group. All right. And then Raymond, we're going to move on to our last segment and this is going to be a fun one because it's uh, it's kind of bold predictions. I'm not asking who your top ranked guy is at each position this week. I'm asking who do you predict is going to be the top performer at each position this week for fantasy? Let's start at quarterback. I'm going with Drew Brees at home against Oakland. Even though Rodgers at Jacksonville and Luck, uh, Luck faced Detroit, those are really good matchups. But Brees is going to shred that defense at home. He loves playing at home. And uh, I think he's ready to make a statement here in week one. Um, I'll try to go bolder in the future, but Russell Wilson is, is the answer. Like <laughs> I, the, the, That's my, a good one. the Miami defense is terrible. They're, they're bad. The secondary, they're going to start Xavier Howard, a second round rookie who played a grand total of 35 preseason snaps because of a knee injury. I, I'm not sold on Miami being able to stop anybody and i think that wilson is i think wilson's easily the top quarterback this week i think he's going to shred that defense and i know it's not as it's not bold if, if we want to go a little bolder maybe Kirk cousins is the answer because i th- i think he has i think he has one of those big games at home that he's kind of become uh, famous for maybe he has one of those but i i think that wilson's the it's just such an easy answer i think i have to take it they, they don't have to all be bold. I mean, you know, 30 or 40 percent of the time, the top ranked guy ends up being the top scorer of the week. So, um, you know, Wilson is a great pick. The thing that concerns me about Wilson is it seems like that offense always starts out a little bit slow. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something about the way Pete Carroll coaches or just approaches it as, a, you know, a, another preseason game to get his guys ready and, and working together. But that offense always starts slow. I don't know if it's going to happen again this week, but it was enough to, to move him down to number three behind Rodgers for me. Yeah. And I think that that, I think that that's fine. Um, but I, if I get an opportunity, Russell Wilson at home against a terrible secondary, I, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I'm just taking it and, and I'll play the odds. You're right. I mean, anything can happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to play the odds. All right. Running back. Could he have again? I don't know how bold this is. He is the running back 10, but we're thinking people are just forgetting that D'Angelo Williams was unbelievable. Oh, that's plenty bold. That's bolder <laughs> than mine for sure. Was unbelievable when Le- Le'Veon Bell was sidelined. He, he's unbelievable when Le'Veon Bell is sidelined. He's so good. And he's going to get, again, 80% of the running back workload. He's going to, again, be involved out of the backfield. I, I think that he has overall running back one upside whenever he is playing whenever he is starting it's it's a decent matchup against the redskins who have kind of a bottom third run defense we'll see what happens he's an easy running back one that's not a question and the top running back overall upside for sure that's a good answer that that's a very good answer i've got doug martin at atlanta and he's all the way up from number eight is where the ecr has him Uh, I'm not a believer in Gurley's game script. We already talked about that. I think the Rams are going to lose. A lot of people are saying pick Gurley because he's going to be up big against the 49ers. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Doug Martin is a big play running back. He's going to get two or three of those uh, 20 plus runs, a couple touchdowns, and uh, Doug Martin's going to finish number one this week. The, The one concern you always have with Martin is, is Tampa Bay going to win? And if, yeah, you're right. if they do, then absolutely. If they don't, he 
falls subject to game script. It's not as crazy as as people make it out. If you go look at his numbers and losses last year, I think he had something like 18 carries for 70 something yards and, and, you know, like 0.6 touchdowns, which is, which is still running back one numbers. He was a clear running back one all last year, but the game script is the concern with Martin, because if they're losing Charles Sims gets more work on the road, you have to worry about that, but I don't think Atlanta is that good. So I think that, I think that's a pretty good call. Wide receiver, I love Alshon Jeffrey playing from behind in Houston. Here's my projection. 12 receptions, 150 yards, two touchdowns. I, I, I think it's going to end up being a close game because Jay Cutler is a gunslinger and he's going to, uh, to keep it interesting. And Alshon Jeffrey is going to get all of that attention. He's going to get all those targets. And I have him as my wide receiver number one this week. That is bold. That is pulling it out of the bold, <laughs> the bold hat for sure. Um, I'm going with Jordy, Jordy Nelson. Wow. That that's bold. That's bolder than mine. In my opinion, I have Nelson solo this week. I know. I know people are worried about if he's going to play a full complement of snaps, which I don't think he's going to. I know people are worried about the Jags defense, which we'll see what happens. They haven't really been getting the pressure they thought they were going to get early in the season, but this is all I know about Jordy Nelson. And this is one of the few things I believe in, in this world. When Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers are together, it is pure magic. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Since 2011, they have played 52 games together. Nelson has averaged five catches, averaged five catches for 81 yards and 0.75 touchdowns. So he's averaged three quarters of a touchdown in the games they've played together. That's an 80, 1305 and 12 touchdown pace. I know the Jags defense is better on paper. I know people are, are scared of what they've built there and I, it'll, it will be better, but the pass rush has not been what they thought it was going to be, at least in the preseason. We'll see what happens. I know it looks like Jordy Nelson's going to play limited snaps. I think he's going to play limited snaps for sure, but he is a guy that needs one play, and we've seen it so many times with this offense. He needs one play. Aaron Rodgers missed him so much last year that I think they're going to try to force the ball to him. And when Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson play together, it is magic. These two guys, over the, over the last five years, since 2011, they have played 52 games together. Nelson has averaged five catches for 81 yards and 0.75 touchdowns. So he's averaged three quarters of a touchdown in every game they've played. That pace is an 80, 1305 and 12 touchdown pace over 16 games, which is overall wide receiver one numbers we're talking about here. So he is, he is an absolute monster when he and Aaron Rodgers get to play together. I think he's going to be great this season. And even though he's going to play limited snaps, I think he has the top overall wide receiver one upside. I have him ranked right outside the top 10. I have him ranked at 11, but I think if we're talking upside, he has the opportunity to be that guy this week. That's interesting. That That is really interesting. And I said that yours was a lot more bold than mine, but expert consensus rankings has Nelson at 12 and Jeffrey at 13. So I was wrong about that. All right, let's jump over to tight end and wrap this thing up. And this isn't just tight end. It's the non Rob Gronkowski tight end. So so who is your non non Gronk tight end? Well, first, let me say that Jordan Reed is the answer, but I do not want to be chalk. So I'm going to say Dwayne Allen. This should be against Detroit, a high scoring game. 
the Lions were bad against tight ends last season. They gave up the fourth most points overall. Their linebacking core, even though it looks like they'll have Levy back, their linebacking core has not gotten noticeably better. They're, they're starting Van Noy, second round bust Van Noy's, I think is his official title. They're starting him in the strong side. So I think that Dwayne Allen, as the clear tight end one in Indianapolis now, he's a proven commodity in the red zone. I think he could have a, a pretty big week. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's not my guy, but I agree. Uh, he's got the upside there. And the whole concern about him is if he can stay healthy. He's healthy right now, so why not? Uh, my guy, and the reason I wanted to go second is because this might melt your brain because it is so <laughs> absurd. Jordan Cameron, all the way up from number 25. Miami's going to be playing from behind against Seattle. And Seattle crushes wide receivers, but they're really bad face tight ends. And Jordan Cameron is, is going to feast. I think he's going to grab himself two touchdowns and, and 60 receptions. And I think that'll be enough to be the, uh, the non-Gronk tight end one. Your point. I mean, Seattle, that cover three really struggles against tight ends. We saw what Greg Olson did to him last year. It struggles against tight ends. That You are exactly right. Uh, Jordan Cameron also struggles to be a tight end. So we'll see. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But uh, but that certainly that certainly falls in the bold category. I, I, I salute your boldness for sure. There's probably like a two percent chance of that happening. But you know what? Two percent happens a couple times a season. So I'm going with it. Jordan Cameron. Fair enough. Fair enough for sure. All right, Raymond. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Uh, it was a lot of fun having you come on again. Always great stuff and looking forward to next time. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yep. My pleasure. Take care. And that's the midweek show for you. Remember, we've got a DFS show coming up that's going to be released Friday morning to help you get ready for that big fan duel and DraftKings slate. Get a couple lineups in. If you haven't done it before, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can get a My Playbook upgrade if you just put $10 into FanDuel, it's a great deal that we have and because uh, my playbook upgrades worth a lot more than that. So uh, go ahead and take a look at that if you want. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes. We've got some more great shows coming up next week with the same kind of rundown. Tuesday, we're going to be coming out with a waiver wire episode. So tune in for that. Wednesday's show is going to be a lot like this show. And then we've got the Friday show coming up for DFS. We're going to do that every single week. So keep tuning in. Tell your friends about the show so we can get some more exposure. Please do that. I appreciate all you guys who have already uh, done a lot to help us get exposure. Uh, but we need all the help we can get. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.